right, Minor Details is back, season two. Hey. Oh, let me turn off the speakers. <laughs> so we're going to get an echo. Yes, so this is our second episode we're recording tonight. We've been on a break so long, so it's nice to just hop into it and get back into the flow. Make up for lost times. Yes, and unfortunately, this episode will cover um, two deceased, recently deceased musicians who are legends. Yes. Legends, yes. and it's unfortunate we are losing them. Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac fame and David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah, let's talk about a little bit of their time period, you know, um, early 50s, you know, 60s. They were like playing around and making a small groups and doing small time shows unknowing that, you know, there's for David, um, Crosby, his second show will be a huge show being Woodstock. Well, the second show for that band. Yeah. I mean, that band, yeah, that band in particular. before that. Yeah. But like revolutionaries in the way we, um, approach music they were yeah. like one of those foundation people for a lot of things we hear nowadays. Yeah, the 60s was a, a, a very crazy time. A, a lot of different music coming out. It was also like a, um, a counterculture thing, you know, going from the the more, um, I guess, more conservative 50s and then uh, a lot of things changing in the 60s. Obviously, the civil rights movement. Uh, also, Vietnam War. Vietnam War, exactly. That was the late 60s. Yeah, big the, culture quote unquote, revolution. Quote-unquote British invasion. But the two artists we're talking about today are actually American, but they were obviously influenced by the British Chrissy invasion. Chrissy Vigmail is British. Oh, she is? She's oh. British, oh. yeah. The only Americans in um, Fleetwood Mac is uh, Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. The reason why I know that um, very well is because... Again, we'll talk about it more a little bit later, but one of the pivotal things with Fleetwood Mac is Lindsey Buckingham's picking style. Um, if we listen to his music, there's a lot of like um, rakes, a lot of individual picked uh, notes with the guitar or acoustic. And that is from his background as somebody who played um, banjo. He was a big banjo player. Ah. That's like one of the early instruments he learned. Very nice. So that like was a nice transition to this like British group, which already had a guitar and singer. Remember they had, um, before Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham came on, there was other members. And, um, I don't think Christian McVale was a part of the group at the time either. And they made one of the songs I recognize as hypnotized. So you could listen to hypnotize and listen to, later Fleetwood Mac, like, uh, rumors. And you could definitely hear a stylized change. Oh yeah. And Early it, with Fleetwood Mac was more like that bluesy style that was out at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, sure. and a lot of people were trying to emulate that at the time because of like Rolling Stones, Beatles, they kind everybody. of took that, like everybody. But the thing that made the magic with Fleetwood Mac, in my opinion, is the fact that they brought those two American counterparts to kind of like change up how they approach music and how they bring uh, melodies in. And it's I'm glad you mentioned that because with Crosby, Stills and Nash, that's really what they had more of was that that at the time folk was really popular in 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 in, in the states. Yeah, you know, um, acoustic guitars. And just a, a lot of melodies, a lot of harmonies, of course, from R&B. That was just nothing but harmonies. And that style of music 
was not I don't want to say very different from the blues, but it was definitely a different style. And then you had a lot of bands starting to mix those different styles together and just create, I guess, R&B and just this crazy mix of, of, of different kinds of music. My favorite thing about Crosby, Stilts, Nash & Young is that they took those elements, right? Because Bob Dylan was also like a big thing touring around. And I believe this might have been the same time when the band was forming, when he was switching from folk to rock. Exactly. And a lot of people, his fans, did not like that, right? Yeah, it was a big change. I feel like Crosby, Stilts, and Nash like took that and found the right balance, right? Because their harmonies are very reminiscent of old school folky stuff, but they have the experimentation of the 60s with the guitars and Neil Young, for instance, being part of the group. Yeah, we should definitely make a, a, a put a pin on that. Um, we we could do a feature episode about the change from when amp- amplification and and electric instruments started being introduced into popular music. Because I mean, you know, it was it was actually years before where you had amplification. It was first affecting like the the um, the, the different singers. Before any amplification, you know, the singers had to be very loud. It was more opera. Yeah. But then once you had, you know, like amplified microphones and speakers and they could be a lot lower and be a lot more, oh, I love you, baby. Yeah, be more intimate with it. Like really get that connection through the person, through like an intimate level. And that was the, that was the era of the crooners, you know. Yeah. But, um, so we'll definitely dive deeper into that, but. The 60s was definitely like the peak of that where, you know, you had this, these loud ass amps yeah, <laughs> and, and different melodies, um, influences from Britain, obviously from, from jazz, from blues built like making funk yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that. And I think that's the best thing about the 60s is that really a lot of genres I like, you know, kind of stem from the sixties, like a lot of things, like, of course, like, uh, the beginnings of experimenting with like, um, different types of amps or experimenting with just different types of recording techniques. Right. Oh, yeah. Cause a big thing we got, we can't forget is that they use tape. They use like film yeah. or tape or whatever yeah, it was huge, called. Yeah. Huge tape reels. Absolutely. And you would need to play like perfectly at that moment. You couldn't go back and easily just cut out a point and just be like, all right, we could just redo this. I mean, you could, but it was way more complicated. They literally would have to cut the tape or roll back. Yeah, studio time was expensive. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's why I like Crosby, Stilts, and Nash. When I listen to them, their harmonies are just so good. You could hear that they really saw the potential in their harmonies, right? Because... I'm saying this out of my ass, obviously. I was not there when they made all this stuff, but what was going around, again, the culture shock, Buffalo Springsteen, uh, Springfield, Springfield, yeah, Springfield, Bob Dylan going around. So they definitely took those elements of the electric rock and were like, let's just mix it with these harmonies and this folk type of sound. Especially when they added Neil Young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that I feel like that was like kind of like the hidden powerhouse. You know, they're all each individually a great musician. And um, when Neil Young left, Crosby, Stilts, and Nash, uh, Crosby, Stilts, Nash was still popular. But Neil Young was kind of like that pocket. You know, he brought in the, I feel he brought in the experimentation. He brought in the, well, what if we did it like this? Or let me use this effect here. 
Yeah, he he was definitely the wild card, the the the, the crazy horse. The, yeah, the crazy the, the, the reference horse. Reference to that yeah. one. Yeah, uh. he really was. But um, so yeah, so you know, this is obviously the music that both you and I are influenced a lot by the, the music of the '60s. Yeah, and we're starting to notice now a lot of those people are passing away because, well, you know, you know, just <laughs> time life. comes up, man. No one can stop Father Time. And I'm sure there's a couple of other artists. Um, we were just talking about. Uh, Paul Jackson, who was a bassist um, with the Headhunters and Herbie Hancock, he passed away a few years ago, and more and more people are dying. So we kind of just want to make a little episode talking about that. Yeah, reminiscing, reminiscing. It's important to recognize these figures in music history. Obviously, I mean, someone like Christy McVeal, especially because a lot of people would prefer Steve, uh, Stevie Nicks, and I find Christy McVeil's voice to be like that comforting voice while I feel Stevie Nicks is more like revolutional and and a little bit more high pitch and a more like like a kick in your ass type of thing I feel like Christy McVeil's voice is more like it's a subtle build-up yeah I have always liked Christian uh, Christine McVeil more I mean to be Stevie Nicks says she has some great songs but she was more of like the rock star rock girl yeah she was like the very very like image of rock, you know, female right. like empowerment in rock, you know. Exactly. While while um um Christine McVie was a lot more, I don't know, like she just was another instrument rather than being a a front a front woman. She was just like another instrument, another layer on the music being played. And she was an excellent songwriter. Like. Yeah, she she is excellent. She again, uh, before we started recording, I said I um she is very underrated. Oh yeah. You know, she is she is great. She is a songwriter, a great piano player. Like she does all the piano pieces and stuff, comes up with like a lot of melodies and whatnot. And her songwriting is just amazing to me. But the reason why it's amazing to me is kind of like why I think Fleetwood Mac is a great band. Because individually at the time of writing like uh songs or working together during rumors, for instance, individually each band member had some issue with each other. If I remember correctly, they did not record all together. They would record at different times at different days because they did not want to see each other. Right. And I could kind of understand that because playing with the same group of people can get a little bit tiring and egos could definitely get involved and, and issues can arise. Right. And that was another staple of the sixties, these different bands, you know, it was this, Summer of love and free love and people having sex with each other. And it happened a lot with the bands as well. The Mamas and the Papas, yeah. Fleetwood Mac. And this was definitely the, um, this was a great example of that. My, <laughs> Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. I feel like all those individual baggage brought in some type of unique sound to each song. You know, my favorite song from Chrissy McVeil is a song called over, over my head. And the song is based on working with Lindsey Buckingham. If you listen, if you really listen to the, to the lyrics, you will hear the pain that comes through with working with someone who is very uh, staunch, at, as I say, as a musician, right? You have to play it like this, exactly like this, exactly like that. It has to be in this tone, it has to be in this tuning, right? right. And... The amazing thing about that is somebody who took that experience and wrote it and made it into a song, right? To me, that that's kind of like, that's kind of crazy, right? I don't write songs, but I know people who wrote songs and they have a hard time writing songs, right? 
they'll get into they'll hit a wall they'll they'll not understand why am i writing this down but what's the emotion behind it right, right. and with christian McVeigh on fleetwood mac especially is that that you could feel that emotion especially rumors the uh, album rumors um that's where famous songs came out about i believe which is um go your own way um stevie nicks um uh, landslide. It wasn't landslide. Yeah, landslide. Was yeah, landslide. landslide. Okay. Rihanna's also yeah, on there. That's that's definitely um some of their best songs right there. Yeah, there's another um a Christine song I loved. Uh, I can't remember. Was it everywhere or was it Little no. Lies? Everywhere is also a song. Yeah, I, I think it was everywhere. I don't know. It's, to me, her, her songs were my favorite. For yeah, sure. her because I feel her songs are very personal. You know, and it's almost like you could hear it within her voice. While like Stevie Nicks, it almost feels, you know, she no shade throw towards oh, both Stevie Nicks. They're all they're both amazing for their individual ways. But I feel Stevie Nicks is more of like the extrovert, while like Chrissy McVale is more the introvert, right? So a lot of the emotions we feel with with Stevie Nicks is like those parts where she's really going ham or she's really getting intimate with you. While with Chrissy McVale, I feel like she hears the whole song. That's why Over My Head is my favorite, because it starts in with a slow fade-in with the music, and then her voice comes in, almost comparing with the guitar, almost. Like, it comes in, and it's like a wave. It comes at you at waves. There's like a high point, and then it goes right down to that low point, where I feel like with Stevie Nicks, it's that constant high point, which is not bad. Like, I fucking love... Um, go your own way or um, again landslide or Rihanna like she's very just like in your face about it or um, or my favorite one uh, Dreams she wrote that song uh, Stevie Nicks mm. and Dreams is like the perfect example of like she is just in there in the sense of she is with you vocally very intimate telling you this story and of course you're listening and re- you're receiving it but she has more of an impactful emotional voice well i feel christian McVeigh has like a voice that kind of fits the narrative of the song while stevie nicks is the narrative she is the driving factor christian McVeigh has the instruments behind her kind of like being that crux of continuation she sits in the mix perfectly yeah, and, yeah. And her voice is so soft and so melodic and and the melodies she writes are are, are, are very nice i don't know it's just it's it's a preference thing obviously because yeah it's obviously I, every, every time i say like oh yeah out of fleet with mac I, I like christine McVie more people are always like really really yeah that's yeah. the weirdest thing <laughs> i've actually spoken to some people who are fleetwood mac fans and they would and I would tell them things like, oh, did you know Christian McVale like wrote this song or she um, she um, made the melody of this? And they'll be like, really? You know, like it wasn't Lindsay. You sure? Yeah, because obviously the like the music industry put their money on on, on Stevie Nicks. And yeah, yeah. And she had her solo career and the light of one wing dove. I love that song. One, <laughs> one wing dove. Yeah, I love that song. That's the perfect example is when she is on her on her own that and the song she worked with um he did that song um fuck it's called um don't take my love away or it was with uh the guy who did um 
Uh, I can't remember, but her solo career is amazing. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Her solo career is really good. She, she kind of like took that energy and just like times 10 with her solo career. Yeah. She was that blonde bombshell for sure. Yeah. And she has her own clothing line, like all that wavy clothing. That's from her. Hmm. Yeah. And again, like this is the roots of all this is from like that 60 sounds that both Crosby, Stilts, Nash and Young and Fleetwood Mac try to like, um, take advantage of or really try to spring forth new music or new sounds. Right. And again, we have to give all credit to the music producers or the music engineers because a a lot of the rumors album is like really cut with jams, right? They would just take jams of uh, the bass player and the drummer and just keep that and then have like a vocalist come in and start singing or something. Mm. And that's because they all had issues with each other. They all had baggage with each other, which again, I think makes that album so good because it's not some type of artificial baggage. You know, they're not trying to make this album seem bigger than what it was. Right. It was more that they were having all these intimate issues, like issues with marriage issues with home, you know, and and battling a drug addiction, all of them. So it really brings all these emotions and you really hear it with all these musicians. Right. Uh, the, the human experience for sure. And it's the same thing with, with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. They're, David Crosby himself was a lifelong addict and he dealt with a lot of health issues. Yeah. We don't really know how either either one of them died, which I think is fine with me. You know, the family just said they passed away. Yeah, just it. leave it at like, like yeah. we don't really need to get into details. You know, we right. just need to celebrate their life, really. But I do at least want to say that um, Christine uh, passed away November 30th of 2022. And David Crosby just passed away two days ago, January 18th, 2023. Yeah. So do yourself a favor. If you haven't heard any of the songs from these people, if you're a musician, check them out. We didn't even talk about any any David Crosby songs. Uh, Wooden Ships was a really good one. Yeah, Wooden Ships. I really like uh, album, Southern Cross too. That album, David, um, David, uh, Deja Vu is my favorite. Oh yeah, that is like, like a like a, what's the word? A, pi- a pivotal album in history. You know that chain. It's like almost like Animal Sounds for. Um, the Beach Boys mm, kind of oh, yeah. changed up music. Pet sounds, pet sounds. Yeah, pet sounds. Pet such sounds. A good, such a good album. It kind of just changed the industry, you know, almost overnight, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that is the beauty with. I'm saying this like a hipster, essentially, but this is the beauty of the '60s music is that they didn't know what they were going into with all this new technology coming around, you know, types of recordings and whatnot. So they, there was no bar to say this is like the failing this is when you do bad they it was just make something nowadays i feel like because i've spoken to other people other musician friends and we'll like listen to indie music and they'll say like oh this is too much like this too heavy on that or there's all these set boundaries that they have in their minds in the sense of there's oh there's these like um there's these like thresholds they need to reach to to make it like a good album of some kind, right? And it's like that is 
our fault as a generation because we are very spoiled with like the previous generations of breaking that that bar of music of experimentation right we could sit here and talk about music from 60 years ago because we have the internet we have yeah like, exactly like I, I remember growing up when i was 16 the beatles was having like or just music of that era was was having a resurgence because of the internet because of things like that yeah like remember so. when like ipod was coming around youtube was like promoting it so like a bunch of youtube U2 songs were like being promoted. I remember in Miami for a little bit to sponsor like the, the, the iPod shuffle, the little yeah. one. Yeah. They had like a huge poster on like a building of like the Beatles, just like one of their old photo shoots promoting the iPod shuffle. Of course. Cause, cause that, cause Apple had the rights to their music. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, but on, on that same point though, uh, uh, I just, you're saying with, with with your musician friends, I mean, I'm sure because we're looking at it, you know, 60 years later, I'm sure when they were writing that music then, or someone listening to that music of then, they're criticizing, thinking, okay, this sounds too much like Bob Dylan, or this sounds too much like something from before. Yeah. You know, so like, there's always going to be that, like that critical lens, depending on where you sit in time and the music you listen to. Like we could write something right now and someone who doesn't li listen to a lot, lot of music or listen to the music that we listen to, they might be like, oh, that sounds really cool. Where'd you write that? And then we could be like, oh, we're just copying a song by Queens of the Stone Age, you know? Yeah, yeah. And they don't know about it. But like, so I I, I think the more you get into music as a, mu like as a musician and writing, the more critical you are. And it, it's it becomes harder to write stuff because you're constantly evaluating like oh this sounds so much like this or i want to do more of this or more do that or i keep doing like a certain kind of style or, or a certain technique and it just it's becomes harder to just let go and just create music yeah just let it flow through rather right. than having those barriers in your mind yeah but at the same time it is good to be critical yeah yeah <laughs> so it's just a deadly there's a balance definitely you very definitely have to like as a musician you have to look at yourself and say well Am I um, influenced by something else or is this purely my thing? Right. And this goes back to a conversation we were having earlier where you kind of have to allow yourself to listen to different music or just explore different creative avenues or else you're going to find yourself in a rut. Especially as a songwriter, like you're going to be, you're going to find you're writing the same shit or you're sounding too much like your influence. Yeah. And until you explore different things and listen to different things, even if it's just like going back to old music you listen you, you listen to, like you're never going to get out that rut. You're never going to like create different things and become more of a really of more of a well-rounded musician because even the best musicians are pulling from their influences. But it's so many different things that you can't even tell where it's from. They're creating it's it's um it's a synthesis of something new that's being created. That's what I like about the 60s era is that they were essentially running out, I, I think, you know, I'm not a music historian of any kind. Um, again, I play drums. I play a little bit of other instruments. I've been playing for a long time. So my take on all this is really like the 60s kind of broke people or 
the younger generation anyways, it brought in a new set of ears for a new sound because before then it was folk, mostly folk type of music, right? And, and maybe Christian hymns um, from people going to church and stuff like in the 50s and 40s of America, let's say. And then, you know, you got the British invasion and you and and the Beatles go to India and that kind of like brings in the mainstream media of like Indian type of influence to music. Um, biggest thing for me was, um, you know, painted black by Rolling Stones. It's like, I think the first rock song to have like a sitar in it. Right. And then later on, George Harrison does a sitar in some Beatles songs. Right. And that is the thing I like about the sixties. Yeah, They went to India. I mean, well, there was a whole era where, Indian gurus were um, uh, like a big thing. It was a big, big thing. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I I later want to do an, an episode on the White Album. Oh yeah, yeah. 1967, and it was their "I'm mad, we're all mad at each other" album, where they were like they almost broke up, and um, everything was written at different times, and it was just a crazy album. This is definitely something I want to explore there. But um, I just want to explore one more thing. What we're talking about, we we can't forget that we won the war. So oh, yeah. a lot of people, you know, like those like... Um, Western the, customs were brought into people who are not into that, that. That, but what I'm trying to say is that, yeah, like, so like people came back home, um, you know, they had their kids or whatever, or they had the, the time and the money because we, we won the war. We also had the um, the power of the dollar exploded. You know, we um, a lot of um, American companies were making money, rebuilding different countries, or exporting, or had better trade deals, and that just gave us more time and money to make music. To- yeah, as a culture in America, we were very. I mean we were on a high rise in sense of like economical boom because after world war two, you know, the Nazis and the war pretty much destroyed all of Europe. Like right. if you look at pictures of, um, pre-war world war two, um, Europe and then after it's completely demolished. Mm-hmm. So it was up to America to get those trading ports and essentially make world trade a little bit easier. But again, you know, when you have America backing it up, there was penance to pay. Right, they're benefiting it. They're yeah, they're, they, they're benefiting from and it. And we still have military bases all around the world as a result of after World War II. So with that influence comes with the Western culture, right? Oh yeah, because exported everywhere. Because <laughs> very very quickly, a little bit of history lesson um, in Asian countries and whatnot, they did have like structured music but you first had to learn how to sing and you had to learn how to improvise more than than have a structured segment of music like a structured thing that's a western thing that's a european thing to have like structure and and crescendos and whatnot while like in india it's very it's it's open. You learn how to sing first before you play your instrument because you need to you need to sing to the other person to be able to get the rhythm or get get the songwriting thing going. While in Western culture, it's more we we write it out and then we approach it to them and say, "This is what you're going to be playing." 
Yes, that's that's interesting. I, I never thought about it that way. And it's something we we should definitely explore for a later episode. But yeah, no, absolutely. That that definitely comes from um, a central composer writing down everyone's parts. Yeah, finding the musicians, and and that's that's still, it's still like that today. It's still yeah, it's still like that because um, again, the Western culture has such a big impact on the world, especially uh, nowadays too. You know. Um, it's very integrated with that. Um, I mean, look at the rising thing that's coming up, K-pop, right? That that was influenced essentially by '90s American like pop groups like uh, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears. It's it, we do have an influence in the world, which is oh. very important to recognize, and even in musically terms too. But it's also the opposite. A great example of that we spoke about this a while ago. Dave Bubrick. You know, he came up with the quintessential album of um, uh, of Take Five. You know that where that song is in, and he primarily wrote that after his times out. Yeah, times out. He wrote that after having an international sponsored, American sponsored music, um, project to go around the world and just have different music projects going on. Dave Brubrecht learned about different time signatures and odd time signatures from like Indian musicians, because for them, it was natural to play like that. But for him, he had to relearn music essentially, which is very, I imagine that's very tough. Imagine growing up learning these very strict Western European styles of playing music, right? Like a uh, Bach, Chopin, Beethoven, you know, very all structured out already for you to play and you just replicate it. Yeah, I would imagine the 50s and the 60s, that post-war era, and obviously we benefited, but in the way we benefited was, like you're saying, like people like Brubeck, or I know they also sent um, Louis Armstrong yeah. as a jazz ambassador. But in general, you had a lot of jazz musicians who went to Europe and, 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 and uh, other countries to play music, and people loved it. And it was kind of a musical renaissance. That's why we got fusion, baby. And that, that's exactly how it was in, you know, from the 1400s through the 1600s or 1700s, where it was, um, I won't get too deep into it, but basically lost old Western um, music arts. No, no, no. It was during different wars, basically a lot of old Greek and, 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 and Roman um I don't want to say books because they weren't books, but it was just different knowledge written on scripture was taken to the, um, uh, to the East, to like different parts of the middle East. And, um, eventually they were kind of brought back in a way. It was just a lot of different scholars finding old stuff from like hundreds of years ago. Oh, like, um... and that's basically what the Renaissance was is like people, people seeing older stuff and then being influenced by it and creating new stuff. Yeah. Um, I have a little bit of a thing to throw on that. Um, a big major part of the Renaissance too was like Muslim caravans because they were given freedom to travel around Europe and introduce them to a lot of new things from like the Middle East and Asia. Um, like for instance, noodles, right? Noodles came around like the Renaissance time. Well, Way before that, too, because Marco Polo also brought over the um, the idea of noodles from China from his um, or Mongolia from his trip. But um, there was a time where, 
yeah, Italy wasn't known for pasta. Oh, of course. Yeah, not, yeah. It, it was like it was like before all that, and then like the Renaissance introduced new ways of cooking, new ways of thinking, and I'm pretty sure uh, Renaissance is like a, a rebirth or yeah, re it, re means again, and ne is birth. And Renaissance. And again, that was another instance of a culture revolution, kind yeah. of like the 60s. With But with that, it was more like a complete culture revolution. And everything in art and how, how to handle money, yeah. how to treat societies and whatnot. So not to go too much on tangent, but that just reminded me of what you're saying. It says, you know, like uh, there was definitely a musical res- renaissance Um American musicians, Western musicians, I guess being more exposed and being able to um, listen to and play with other types of music, especially, you know, you had a a Britain who was in in India yeah, and you had a lot of Indian immigrants going to Britain. And of course, they're going to bring their food with them and their music with them. Of course. Very interesting how everything just mixes together. Yeah. We got to remember too, is that... um during all these times, during these culture revolutions that, um, it was a boom for new way of thinking and a new way of like approaching things. Right. And I feel like we kind of gone through that a little bit with the two thousands and now, right. With a technological, um, boom in the sense of, you know, iPhones and, um, just a computer for instance, you know, think about, I still remember times where people were advertising a wireless laptop. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. Wireless in terms of power or internet connection? No, like in terms of power. Oh, Like, you know, because um, when laptops were still springing about and everything, you still needed to connect it to like an outlet for it just to power on. And I specifically remember this, seeing a commercial on TV going like, oh, look, we're wireless. And it was like a Pinocchio thing without wires. That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah. So each generation has its own type of boon, you know. And for the 60s, it was definitely that another sense of a culture revolution for America anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And, um, I mean, we definitely pulled very far away from Christine McVie and, and David Crosby, but no, but they were like the arbiters, you know what I mean? They were like the head of that at the time, you know? I mean, I still remember reading a book called, uh, this wheels on fire written by, uh, Lee Von Helm of the band when he first heard Fleetwood Mac and he essentially said, this is, this is the new thing. This is the future. It's going to be like super quantified, like mixing of sounds and, you know, not having everyone in the same room playing the same song, but having people play different parts and then just taking different parts from the jams and whatnot and making a song more of like a sound engine engineers revolution. Yeah, it was it was the the multi multi track recording and it really multi track st- recording. Yeah, and it, it was really popularized with with Les Paul and I think her name I can't remember her name Mary Ford. Uh, I can't remember her name, but basically where they took her voice and had her. I mean, I know it's elementary, but back then it was revolutionary. Yeah, where she would do her own backing vocals, and and they would kind of do it on the fly, and it was just crazy. 
Anyway, so, um, you know, a lot of people are, are going to be passing away from their era, so I'm sure I'm going to revisit this topic in yeah, the future. Yeah, definitely are. And pay homage to those musicians that have influenced us very much now yeah. and will continue to. I mean, they're never going to... They've reached legendary status. You know, Crosby, Stiltz, uh, Nash & Young, and... Um, Fleetwood Mac. And Fleetwood Mac. They definitely have already reached that pinnacle of, like, they they are great bands like not objectively or subjectively like a statement they are great bands and i mean obviously we're getting old and younger generations won't know their names per se but they're still gonna be influenced by the music yeah whether they know it or not yeah whether they know it or not they're they're, they're the beginnings of a lot of things that we take a granted of for now yeah. but, all right and with that bid you guys a good evening. Peace. Have a good one.